You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to introduce Lauren Clement. Uh, Lauren is a personal brand consultant and creator of the award-winning Authority Rocket program, which has helped hundreds of professional services providers around the world to become well-known, well-paid, and wanted, and is an expert in this personal branding space. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andy. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, really awesome to have you on. We just connected recently uh, through our mutual friend, Aaron Hunt. We both spoke on his Brand Hero Personal Brand Summit. And uh, I am, though this podcast is not primarily or entirely focused on personal brand like his is, and we've both been on there, I am always fascinated with this topic of personal brand. I love talking with experts like you to learn everything I can and also, uh, you know, help share uh, value and information with others. So it's really exciting to have you on. Brilliant. No, and it was a great summit. I think um, there were some really amazing learnings out of that, which even I was sitting there with my pen, writing like mad at what was going down. So, and it's, um, I think it's the timing's right, isn't it, Andy? People are starting to realise that, hey, I can make some decisions about the way my career goes and the life direction that I want to choose. I don't have to wait for it to happen. I can actually take control and do something myself, which is just awesome. I love it. Absolutely. I agree. So yeah, let's, let's start there. Um, I, I'm sure everybody defines this a little bit differently. For you, what does it mean to develop a personal brand or what is a personal brand? I think um, where I come from is the real knowledge and understanding of what your purpose is. I've worked with brands for a long time. Um, so I started out as a graphic designer way back before computers were around. So that shows how old I am. The dark ages. Um, and the dark ages where there were repro cameras and all these other things. And um, yeah, so I ended up working for advertising agencies, um, the likes of Saatchi's and Ogilvy's, and we were developing amazing brands. And I've always loved that brand creation aspect because you actually have to sit down and ask lots of questions like why? Why does this product exist? What is the problem that it solves? Who's going to use it? Why would they use it? What are the benefits? When would they most use it? You know, you have to ask all these questions. Um, if this brand was a person, what, how would they behave and so on? And, um, and I've always been that annoying kid that always asked why, <laughs> you know? So I love really finding out what is the purpose? What, what's the reason why this thing or this person does these things that they do? And when I looked into personal branding, and I really got into that as, as my specialist area about seven or eight years ago. Um, I discovered a fabulous saying, uh, which I think was something that Socrates first said. I'm not sure. I don't claim that as, as knowledge. That's something I think may have happened um, is know thyself. And the whole idea, it was either him or Plato. Um, the whole idea being before you try to understand the world out there and what's going on, the first step should be to know yourself. What are you passionate about? What's your value? What are your, your mores and the beliefs that you have? What's your background? And often when I'm working with someone on their personal brand, we'll actually go back to their childhood and I'll say, well, what did you really like doing when you were a kid? What did you find that was just easy, just natural for you to do? Um, and there's some good stories and some sad stories. There's one amazing guy, Andy, who's a, um, he's a bespoke jeweler. 
and he just is so specific and he designs the most beautiful jewelry for about the same price that you could do going to a main street jeweler which is extraordinary but his passion as a kid was um, model aircraft and model trains and cars and things and he would make them absolutely specific and he would only choose the ones that were beautifully designed and, and streamlined but he would just work on them for hours and hours and hours as a child until they were absolutely perfect replicas of the real thing and of course that's come across into what he does now with his business so he now can tell that story and it engages but you're listening to the story because the story is much more engaging than me saying oh i'm a bespoke jeweler and i love making jewelry now all of a sudden there's a reason and a purpose behind why he is so good at what he does so um yeah purpose and passion is the starting point for personal branding and i think it's why people find it so useful because it opens up a whole area of what makes you you that people don't normally consider when you're um, helping people unlock their purpose and passion and they you talk about going back to childhood and what people really love doing and that sort of thing i can i can totally see that being effective. Is that always uh, the case or helpful? And I'm just thinking in my own personal experience, what I enjoyed and was doing and what I didn't like as a child is like completely opposite from the way I am now. For example, I was a really shy kid who was terrified of like getting up in front of other people. And I thought I wanted to be an engineer, you know, doing math and, and like designing roads or something. And now I've gone so far away from that and I'm hosting podcasts and speaking and I love getting up in front and facilitating and helping others. And that's probably something I, I don't know, I couldn't even dreamed of doing when I was a kid. So it, you find that for some people, it changes a lot as well? Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting. There's another a story, which to me is a bit sad. And, and this is a woman who's an incredible sales coach and she's just launched her new business and she's just doing incredibly well. But she, her whole, see, the thing with personal branding is trying to find the niche. And I'm, I've got a mission in life to teach Americans that niche doesn't have a T in it. And you say it niche, not niche. Um, so this is my passion in life now. Um, so the, the niche for her, because there's loads of sales trainers out there, right? And this is the point of personal branding is how do you stand out from the hundreds of others who look exactly like you? Because there are lots of people online these days. COVID has done that to us. Everybody else is jumping into digital marketing. It's just so much noise. How do you stand out from the crowd? You've got to find that niche, that little bit of difference that you can have, either your approach or your story or that different thing about you. And with her, um, it's all about systems. And she realizes that without some sort of sales system, the process falls apart. You don't do follow-up. You don't generate leads enough. You don't do enough communication. You don't convert properly. But the other side of things with systems and sales is if it's the system that is like, this is the blueprint and you must do 20 calls a day and you must, people just won't do it because it's too hard. So her whole niche is creating your own system and building your own sales. So have a system, but make it yours that you actually enjoy doing and it becomes natural to you. Now, where did that come from? Her father used to beat her up if she didn't line up the shoes and clean them after school. You know, if she wasn't systemized in her approach to running her day as a very small child, she would get beaten. So it's a horrible, horrible way to talk about life, but that's the way that life was for her. So she learned to love systems. And oddly enough, even though, of course, her, her life has moved on and she's you know, managed to do amazing things with her confidence and self-belief and so on, and, and that person is no longer in her life, um, she still uses systems as her fallback. 
So you probably somewhere in your process towards running your podcast, and I must admit, Andy, you run a very tight ship, there'll be some engineering facet to it. There'll be some reason that there's a structure or a process or a way that you map things out or you measure it that will come back to your love of, of engineering and, and looking at things that way. I do still love a good spreadsheet. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> See, you know, there you go. <laughs> Recently, I was just telling you before we started recording that I'm, I'm publishing my first book soon and I just mapped out a launch plan in a spreadsheet and give to my assistant, Stephanie, who's like my marketing coordinator. She helps with everything. And she said, wow, I'm really impressed with how you laid all this out. I'm like, good, it's organized. Let's go, let's go attack yeah, see, it. See, there you are. The engineer has not left the building. He's still in there somewhere, right, yeah, but he's just being cool. used for other purposes. Yeah, yeah the wannabe so engineer. Authors, I never, I never became an engineer. I was just an <laughs> aspiring engineer. <laughs> but Andy, see, the, the engineer never left really. And uh, authors don't normally do that. You do realize that, Hardly anybody focuses on the marketing of the book. They all focus on the creation of the book. They never really think about, okay, now I've finished writing the book. What am I going to do with it? So no, yeah. you're definitely, the engineer at heart is still there. I am. Uh, and I want to maybe talk about books as well. Um, but, but first I want to get to your origin story, but I will say that, yeah, I am definitely the opposite. I love marketing and branding and uh, it was hard to get through and get the book finished. And I told, you know, where a lot of authors, like you said, probably, uh, put all their heart and soul into creating the book. And then they're worried about the marketing. I'm so excited about the marketing. Honestly, the biggest thing that gives me so much anxiety is I'm not going to know how to get it up onto Amazon or something so that people can buy it. Like I'm just going to somehow screw that yeah. up. Um, the marketing is, is fun for me. So I just got to get it to a place where I can actually market it. So everybody's different, right? And then you got to find maybe, um, complimentary people, coaches, consultants, assistants, whatever, who can help you with the things that you're not so good at. Absolutely. And that's a big secret, isn't it? Is figuring out what your strengths are and not being afraid of your weaknesses. I've got a fabulous business partner who just yesterday posted about all the things she's not good at, mm. you know, and I think this is really important that you've got to embrace the whole you. It's not yeah. a case of being perfect. And I mean, a lot of people, as you say, with books and with lots of marketing and all sorts of things, they try to wait till things are perfect, mm. you know, before they launch and it'll never happen. If you yeah. wait till things are perfect, you know, you'll just end up going round and round in circles. And, and half the time, people waste so much time and effort and money yeah. on trying to make things perfect and then going to market with them, only to discover that actually either no one wants it or they wanted it, but they wanted it five years ago. Um, and there's already 15 other people that do that. And there's another app now that does that. And, oh, there's some AI out there that's, you know, completely smashed that industry. So yeah, don't wait, get out there and try it and test the words. I love what you're talking about with marketing your book. You should be marketing your book while you're writing your book. You know, yeah. you should be out there talking about, oh, I'm, right. I'm writing a book at the moment. I've been writing a book for about two years. It's sitting there, the research is done. It will happen, but everybody knows I'm writing it. So it's a great accountability too, that you tell the world, this is what's going to happen. I'm launching this podcast. You know, I'm doing this thing. I'm going right. to start this new business. And now you've got to do it. It's out yeah, there now. <laughs> yeah. So, so many good points in there. And like, you know, unknowing your weaknesses, I am the reason I have Stephanie, my assistant is because I'm so disorganized. Uh, I need someone to help keep me on track, keep me organized. And uh, I don't have the perfection problem. I'm always launching things probably too soon, <laughs> although I probably wait on others. Um, but let's get back to you. Um, you, know, you talked about knowing yourself and, you know, thinking about that origin story. What is your origin story? How did you get into all of this? 
Um, well, mine started really early on. Again, here we are talking about childhood, which is really strange. Um, I grew up in the country in New Zealand. I actually grew up in the bush, which is, uh, it was, uh, trying to remember, it's, I think, almost one of the northern, the most northern ranges in New Zealand. And it's a big water catchment area. There's lots of hiking there and mm. um, fishing and all that sort of stuff. So my dad ran a YMCA camp right on the edge of the Hunua Ranges in South Auckland. Um, and I went to a little country school. I think there were about maybe 300 children went to the school. So very tiny school. Hmm. And um, the headmaster of the school was also the English teacher. And I remember still to this day, he, he crouched down next to my desk. So that tells you he's a good teacher. He came down to my level. Um, and he said something to me, which most people would think is a horrible thing to say to an eight-year-old child. Um, he said, I don't think you're getting this reading and writing stuff. Um, I don't think he used those words exactly, but it was along that, that train of thought. Um, you're not doing it like the other children do. I think you have word blindness and you're never going to be able to read and write the way that they do. Now, as I say, horrible thing maybe to say to a child, but to say to me was perfect because I was the sort of person who knew me well. I was like, a that was a red rag to a bull. I was going to prove him wrong. No matter what he told me, I was going to prove that that wasn't the case. So what he'd done is he'd picked up the course that I was dyslexic. Um, it was word called word blindness back then um, in the 70s. And um, he basically helped encourage me to fall in love with reading. And two years later, I've actually still got the school report um, from him where he put me on this program to help me learn how to read and write in my own way. Um, and I was reading between 10 and 12 novels a month at that stage. He threw me into reading. He found the books that I loved. I think The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe was one of the first books that I read from cover to cover and loved the story. And just all of a sudden, this whole other world was open to me. So I used to take home a book of um, words for me to rem remember and to spell, and someone would read them out and I'd have to spell them back to them. And the way that I did it, I would shut my eyes. I still do it today as an adult. And I would see the shape of the word and try to remember how it was spelled. So that was my way of overcoming dyslexia. The interesting thing was that years later, and I always loved to draw and paint as a kid. I was very creative. But years later, I decided that I wanted to become a graphic designer. This is before the age of the computer. And um, I went to graphic design college and just guess what? I discovered that most of us were also dyslexic. <laughs> we actually had at the end of the um, qualification there, we had an exhibition and the, the actual lecturers ran a contest that we didn't know anything about uh, to see how many spelling errors there were and this beautiful work that everybody had done. And there was lots. And I think I came second. Um, so, yeah. So the interesting thing was, though, Andy, that what I learned was that ability to recognize the shape of words and hold them in my brain later on has become a science and it's called neurobranding. So it's understanding how the brain sees brands. So when I graduated as a graphic designer, I went and worked for publishing companies and advertising agencies and design companies and so on. But I ended up working in agencies managing their production. So I would see literally hundreds of brands come across my desk and I would be taking them from where they were within the graphic design team to being printed or published or turned into radio or TV or anything that they could be created into advertising. 
And quite often I would see things wrong with them. So this is last year's logo, this color is wrong, the shape is wrong, somehow or other they've got the wrong tagline on there. So I was able to be a bit of a gatekeeper for the brands in the production side of things. And it wasn't until I moved to Australia and I looked into what I was going to do um, and how I wanted to, to grow my own business rather than working for other agencies that I discovered neurobranding, the science of understanding how the brain sees brands. And all of a sudden it made sense to me. This is a way that you can create brands that people get a subliminal message and a way of connecting with that brand that's not always obvious. And that the ideal one that I can tell you about, of course, is the arrow in the FedEx logo. And I don't know if you've noticed it before, you might not even know what, what I'm talking about, but next time you see the FedEx logo, in between the E and the X, there's a white arrow in there. And it's been in there for decades, it's been built into the brand, it's there to signify, I mean, even the colors of FedEx, they use orange, which is the color of energy, and purple, which is the color of service, and they've got an arrow in it. So even the people that I talk to, when I say to them, what does FedEx do? What's the core message, the know thyself part of FedEx? And they all say, oh, it'll get my package there on time. It'll, it's the fastest way to get it there. Some of them have never even used FedEx, and yet they know that about the brand. How? Because the brand has been telling their brain that for years and years and years. It's the same with the smile in the Amazon logo and the bear in the Toblerone logo and all these other neuro-branding aspects to branding that you can have that make a big difference to how the brain sees the brand. I love your daughter's crept into our interview. Isn't yes, that awesome? Yes, we've got, we've got a special guest. She's come a to show A special guest. Oh, little, fabulous. Uh, cat. Does cat have a name? Brilliant. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Not yet. I'm thinking of Okay. You know, I just, while you were talking, I pulled up the FedEx logo and I see yep. the arrow you're talking about. Yep. I've probably seen that brand for 20 years. I've never seen that arrow. I've never. And guess it. what? Now you'll never unsee it. So that's the thing, you know, and it is so, I know when I worked with advertising agents, the likes of Saatchi's and Ogilvy's, I mean, they are craftsmen at creating brands, but they charge a lot of money. You know, you're looking at millions of dollars to create brands. So when I started my own business, it was how can I make this knowledge accessible to small businesses? How can I make this understanding of how you can affect people's brains with your brand available to people who don't have, you know, big, they don't want to grow a big FedEx brand, but they want to have a brand that stands out and resonates and connects with the right audience. And this was just the best way to do it. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question on that, because I am fascinated by what people decide and how they build their businesses and what they pursue. Uh, I love that you are focused on helping uh, small companies and, and consultants like me build a personal brand, right? Which is really cool. Uh, but there must be a lot more money in building company brands. So why go this direction when you have the skill to be able to help a bigger company that might pay you, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars versus, you know, the, the chump change from someone like me. That's a really good question. Sometimes I ask myself that very same question. <laughs> um, That's why I ask the hard questions. <laughs> I think the interesting thing is, and it's something that I think we talked, touched on briefly um, before we started the interview the reason I got into personal development to initially out of specifically product and brand development, and I still do a little bit of that for companies if they ask me to do it, 
is with with brand development for people, you actually see a self-development. You see Mm. a change in people's consciousness, in their self-awareness and their self-belief. And the thing is, with personal branding today, and especially with what I'm doing now, because I've now partnered with a publicity specialist and we've got something called the Audacious Agency, there's personal branding, then there's publicity, then there's book writing and marketing, then there's online presence, then there's winning awards. So it's not just one little thing that we do. Yes, the starting point is personal brand and you have to know that first, that whole back to good old the temple at Delphi, know thyself, you know, good old Plato or Socrates. Um, You have to start there, knowing yourself, knowing your audience, knowing what your point of difference is, your single-minded purpose, all those sorts of things, finding your true north. But then after that, there's some really exciting things you can do. So yes, we I don't charge a small amount, but we, we have creative packages that mean, yes, you can just do this one thing with us. But mm. if you want us to go out and help you do all these other great things as well and really leverage your brand, then you can do these things. And probably over the space of about two to three years, we can help people really stand out because they're just doing all of these things at the same time. Cool. I like that. Um, mm. Let's get into, uh, you know, some, some good strategies, tactics that could be valuable for people. We started with the core foundation. And I always say this as well, is that, uh, like you said, you've got to know yourself mm. and then you've also got to be really familiar, know your niche or niche, as you say, <laughs> to understand who you're trying to target, who you're trying to attract. Um, once you've got that set, then, you know, what are some things people can do to help grow or accelerate their, their brand or authority? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I think one of the biggest things is consistency. And this is something that people sort of fail to do, especially if marketing doesn't come naturally to you. Um, And if you're not as passionate about it as Andy is, um, you know, you need to dedicate half an hour a day to working on self-promotion. You need to work out what day of the week is my marketing day that I'm going to schedule some posts. I'm going to write some blogs. I'm going to go and find some podcasts that I can be a guest on. I'm going to start to to write guest blogs for other people. I mean, much as I love what he does, Gary Vee talks about it all the time, this constant creation of content. Now, I'm not quite so far into you must be creating content. I I think just creating content for the sake of it is not going to work. Um, You you know, you you can write a blog and put it out there and who reads it? Your mum and maybe your business partner and four people. Great. Wow. And then all of a sudden you're onto something else. And that's another trap that people fall into is just this constant wheel of creating content, which is exhausting. And nobody even visits. You know, you've got a website that's like an old Wild West town with the tumbleweed blowing through it, you know. (laughs) So the the thing is you've got to be consistent. So you've got to be getting out there with your your message on a consistent basis. It's about having tenacity and and making sure you're doing it, setting the time and using your time wisely. But I think you've also got to have a strategy. And what I like about what you said, Andy, is that maybe that's an engineering brain that's come into what you're doing. You're mapping it out, yeah? So at this time, I need to be here. And I need to have my book at this point and my marketing. And I need to have a database of 20,000 people. And so, you know, mapping it out, working out, what timing you want to have if you've got a launch coming up, working backwards for what you want to do. And one of the things I find, and this might be worth, if you're listening to the podcast and you're going, right, I need to write something down. Here is the bit where you need to grab a pen and a piece of paper. There's a rule that I use a lot that helps me make sure that the content I'm creating is going to resonate with my audience. And it's called the 30, 30, 30, 10 rule. And it's really simple And it's something you can use for your social media, for your blogging, for any sort of content creation to make sure that you are not just creating content for the sake of it, 
but you're creating something that people are going to engage with. So 30, 30, 30, 10, their percentages, they all add up to 100. And it, it is a percentage of, of what the content is that you're putting together. So say we're writing a blog. We start out with the first 30%. And the first 30% has got to be about newsworthiness. What is in the news? What's the, the day of the year? And today might be ice cream day or Independence Day or Halloween or, um, you know, or it might be a time of the year. It might be spring or summer or fall. You know, think of something that's newsworthy and relevant to your audience. What is your audience going through right now that you can write about that's relevant? Is it around the politics? Is it around the elections? Is it around um, health and well-being? Around um, the the pandemic that we have that we're dealing with at the moment? Is it around um, business growth or tax breaks? In Australia, we've just had the latest budget announced. So you know, is it something that's newsworthy that's happening right now that your audience is going to want to know about? So use that news, but make it relevant to your business. It's pointless talking about Meghan Markle and Harry, you know, if you've got nothing to do with royalty or celebrity or whatever. So choose a topic that makes sense what you're going to be talking about. And if you're clever, and this is why I love my business partner so much, because she's a publicist and she knows how to see all the different angles, you can just about flip any news item to suit your business. So for me, for example, I go, well, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Australia. Um, it's coming up to summer. Lots of people at the moment are spring cleaning right now because spring has just sprung. So I could say about, you know, right now people are just, they're starting to get into the outdoors. They're cleaning up their houses. They're getting ready for the summer. What are you doing to spring clean your brand? You know, so there's a great way of talking about something that's happening right now and it's got to do with your brand. So what's the newsworthy item? That's your first 30%. It's going to captivate people. It's going to catch their eye. It's going to be relevant to them. The next 30% is information, tips, tools, how-tos. So there's the next part of your blog. Is So here's the news. Here's the problem. Here's the reason why I'm writing this thing. The next bit is the how do I fix that? So what's the top three things or the top four ways or the seven things you should avoid or the one major thing you need to do in spring to spring clean your brand? Whatever it is, come up with your tips and tools, your insight and information and give away a little bit of gold for your audience. Because what does giving away a little bit of really cool stuff do for your audience? It makes you look incredibly generous and what would happen if they worked with you? How much more gold would they How get? How much more value, yeah. Absolutely, it's a little teaser. So, so now you've got two things working for you. You've got your relevant and your newsworthy, which captivates people and people are going, wow, this person knows their stuff. They're right at the front edge of these things. They're, they're innovative, they're thinking about these things and they've got lots to offer. Wow, that's really cool. I might want to work with this person. I need to know more about them. I'll go and have a look at the rest of their website. I'll listen to the rest of their podcast. So yeah, give them, give them some cool stuff. So there's the first two, 30%, yeah? First 60% of your blog. The next 30%, that's the about part. That's the about us. That's the, so that's why I'm writing this book. So that's why I started this course. So that's why I've got this online program. So that's why I'm running this workshop. So that's why I've got this blog and I've got this lead generator. And if you want it, it's here. So you wait till the end to say, so that's why. So here's some stuff. And in my opinion, I believe this is what should be happening. But if you want to follow me more, here's my LinkedIn profile. So it's just a nice way of generating that lead or generating a sale or creating some interest that's relevant to your story. And then the last 10% is fun and inspiration. It's the stuff that gets shared out there. It's not necessarily cats 
although your daughter's cat is specifically cute and I think you could definitely use that. Um, I think you've got loads of opportunity to share quotes or memes or, you know, find someone who's got uh, a, a famous birthday that happens on the day that you're launching this, this blog or podcast or during the month that you're launching it and share it in your blog, make it shareable, make it, you know, copy and paste this to your own profile um, and get it out there. So there's a really, really simple rule to create content that's really relevant and engaging rather than just, you know, vomiting all over people with, hey, buy my book. So much value there. So 30% newsworthiness, 30% tips, tools, and how to fix things, 30% about. So that's why I wrote this book and 10% fun and inspiration. Um, I know that it depends a lot for people, but how do you help people decide where they should be spending their time creating content? Obviously, there's tons of options. We can't do it all podcasts, blogs, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I'm sure there's more things that I'm not even thinking of. Um, how do you help people decide where to spend their time? It's a very good question. And you're right, because it can be so overwhelming, Andy. And you just sort of sit there half the time and going, I'm not doing enough. I'm obviously not doing <laughs> right. enough. It's like, yeah. I'm pretty Gary, sure you are. Right? I'm not doing yeah. enough. Yeah, I'm not doing enough. Um, the number one rule, of course, is, well, where does your audience hang out? And if they hang out on LinkedIn, then you need to be there. And if they hang out on Pinterest or they're, they're always on Facebook, I, I find my, my, my people are on Facebook. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the age. Apparently, Facebook's getting older and older. But um, Facebook and LinkedIn, yeah, are probably my two major channels. I don't like Instagram. Um, I get my teenage daughter to do my Instagram for me if I ever do it um, because I just I cannot waste any time there. Um, but yeah, I think number one is find out where your audience hang out. But number two for me is where do you like being? Do you like writing? Do you prefer speaking? Do you like, you know, if loads of people tell me I need to do an audio book of my book. I just, one day, maybe I don't like the sound of my own voice. So, yeah. you know, how do I get around that? Maybe I just record it and never listen to it. Um, but yeah, the hardest thing as I say, the biggest thing is consistency and tenacity is keep on doing these things. You've got to be prepared that, you know, even if you're writing, and my suggestion is to at least have one blog a month or one vlog or one podcast a month, at least one a month and then repurpose it. Get out there and share it on all those other channels so that if you write a blog and put it on your website, you're also turning it into a video, you're turning it into an audio, you're turning it into a Facebook post, you're turning it into a LinkedIn message, you're doing something with, you're sending it out to your database. So that you're not just putting this one thing out there and then going, good luck, you're on your own. You know, you need to actually support your content. And repurposing is something that people don't do enough of. Because we sort of believe or seem to think that if I've put this blog out there and it's really cool and I've, I've put it up once on my Facebook profile, then now the world has seen it. Everybody knows. And it's just not the case because there's so much content out there. So you should be repurposing that one really good piece of content that you've written or created in some way over the entire month. So we use a, a thing called the Most Audacious Marketing Action Planner that we created. Um, and it gives you a, a theme for the month. It helps you write your blog for the month, put it up on your website, and then how to repurpose it for the rest of the month using there's Lumen 5. I don't know if you know of Lumen, Lumen 5, Andy. It's an awesome tool, tool L-U-M-E-N 5. Um, and it turns your blog into a video. So you put the URL of your blog in there and it comes up with all the content. It also gives you some suggested images. You can choose video, you can put music behind it and create these incredible little quick snippet videos that promote your blog. So really awesome way to, if you're not into the creative things and you can't do that yourself, it's a great tool that's out there. Um, there's Otter, 
um, Otter, O-T-T-E-R, I think it is, dot AI, mm -hmm. which is an um, AI that does transcription services. So if you don't like typing, you can just speak and it transcribes it for you into written content. And now you can turn your podcast into a blog. So yeah, repurpose. There's so many really cool ways to do it. Um, and you need to make sure that you're not just writing or creating one thing and going, there you go, I've done that, now I'm gonna move on to the next thing. No, 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 you need to be really thinking. And I think you'll like this, Andy, with your approach to mapping things out. You could map out your entire year that way and say, right, I know at this time of year, my audience wants to know about saving money or losing weight or whatever it is. This is the time of year where they most want this. Um, so this is what I'm gonna talk about for the entire month. And I'm just gonna pick on these key times uh, maybe it's, you know, Nelson Mandela's birthday today, and therefore we need to talk about living in more peace with each other and being mm. more compassionate or whatever it is. Um, you know, so really think about how you can leverage the awareness of people. They call it newsjacking in the journalist world, newsjacking what's going on. Um, but also, where do you like to hang out? Where does your audience like to hang out? And just spend the time on doing the stuff that you find easy. Otherwise, you'll never do it. It'll just, yeah. you know, if you hate Instagram, you don't have to be there. There's like, no rule that says you hire have your, to. Hire your teenager <laughs> to do it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Local, local <laughs> teenager. Speaking of, um, you know, spending time where it's easy, uh, one of the things that I find holds a lot of people back when it comes to creating content and building the brand uh, is that fear, right? Fear of rejection mm. and judgment. Uh, what if I put stuff out there and people don't like it? And I have dealt with this a lot and overcome it and, and still feel it from time to time. How do you help people overcome that? That's such a cool point, Andy. And I think it's probably, what, as you say, it's one of the biggest reasons why people hold them back. Um, are we allowed to swear slightly on this program? Is it R-rated? Am I, am I all right with that? <laughs> I always ask. There's, it's just that there's a thing that I have that I call the itty bitty shitty committee. You know, it's that little voice and well, or voices in your head that are constantly nagging and going, you're not good enough. You know, it's that imposter syndrome. Um, somebody's not going to like this. You're going to get haters. It's too contentious. And I think everybody's got it. And, and it's interesting, even when they interview very successful, well-known celebrities, they still have this imposter syndrome, this fear, you know, I'm not good enough. Nobody's going to like me. And it's just that really human element that we all have. And I don't think we need to get rid of it. I don't know if you can get rid of it. Right. What I think you can do is understand it and realize that it is just your self-doubt. It's just a, a mechanism of trying to keep you safe, of trying to, you know, your, your body wants to stop you from being injured or hurt or damaged in some way. Um, and mental wellness is such an important part of, of society that I don't think a lot of people talk about enough. Um, and it's funny because, Andy, it's the things that often you share that stuff, you know, where you're really being very human, that that gets the most interaction and the most following. And, the, and, and it's really interesting to see that in that social media world. Yeah. Um, I think the way we most help people overcome it is, and it's funny, we were talking about this, this the other day, is when we help you be prepared to be out there as a personal brand. One of the things we do with you, especially when we're preparing you for entering awards is an ideal time that it happens or marketing a book, but mostly with entering awards. We ask people to go back through their year and write down what were your achievements for the year? What did you get up to? And going through your diary and your calendar, when did you have speaking gigs? When were you on a podcast? When did you get media coverage? When did you get you know, diplomas or certification for things? When did you land clients? When did you have a big win? When did you discover things that weren't right with your business and you put them right? What were your challenges this year? Because that all goes into your award entry. 
But we've discovered that that's an awesome process to go through to build self-confidence in what you're doing. Because so often, especially when you are building a career or building a business, you don't take time at looking back at what you've done. You're constantly on to what is the next thing? You know, what, what, what have I all right, done that, finished, dusted, yeah. on to the next thing. And when you look back, especially if you have to do this for entering awards, which is something we love to help people do, you have to go through that process. And quite often the funnest thing is about helping people write awards, Andy, is we then interview them, we put this all together, we write their entry, we write their support document, and we send it off to them for them to approve it. And quite often we get emails back saying, I think you've sent me somebody else's. This isn't me. You've got the wrong person. And it's like, no, no, that's what you told us. No, I'm pretty sure this sounds way too good to be me, you know? Um, and it's quite enlightening to see their eyes open and their self-belief just grow. Mm. And then when they, um, you know, win those awards and realize that an independent panel of judges has, has voted that they are worthy of an award. I know I did the same thing when I first won awards. My business partner um, encouraged me to do it. It was, oh my goodness, my process, my approach, the program that I've created is award worthy. That's like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can actually do this. And it's changing people's lives and so on. So yeah, I think one of the nicest things you can do when you're growing your, your personal brand, especially if you've been in your industry for a long time, for five to 10 years um, or 20 or 30 years, go back and have a look at what you've achieved. Write it down. You know, Keep a record of those things. Put them into a folder. Grab all the testimonials from your clients um, and review them because you will do amazing things in your life. And if you don't notice them and pat yourself on the back, then who else is going to do it? You know, you need to be your, your, your own best cheer squad that's behind you and going, you know, you can do this. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, such great advice there. Last question for you, Lauren. Uh, the book that I have been working on is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And when you hear that, you think about the term own your career or own your life, uh, what does that mean to you? Oh, I think it's definitely about decision-making. Um, how many people are interviewed on their deathbed and their biggest regret was that they didn't do half the stuff that they wanted to do because they were afraid? Um, when you own your career and own your life, that's right down to you. It's you being able to make decisions and not worry about what people think of you, what might happen, you know, and, and I think maybe in life, Andy, you have to have a number of times where you fall over and graze your knees or worse than that. You really hurt yourself, you know. Um, we've all been there. We've all been, you know, relationships that have fallen apart, health issues, financial issues. We've all been there. I think I've lived through seven recessions in my life so far, coming from little old New Zealand that really struggles to recover. It's not a big country um, and it survives off of its, its dairy and its wool and its tourism. And at the moment, it's not doing well. So, you know, you've got to realize that, yes, bad things happen in life. Who was it? Was it Jim Rohn who said, you know, the same wind blows on us all. It's just the way that you set your sails that makes the difference. Mm. So, yeah, owning your life and owning your career is about having that confidence or maybe not even having the confidence, but still doing it anyway and realizing that whatever wind is going to blow on you, you're going to just set your sails differently and you're going to bounce back. And humans are incredibly resilient. We will manage to bounce back from things and overcome things. And you'll look back on your life and go, wow, I'm so glad I made those decisions, even if they were the wrong ones, because look at what I learned and look at where I am now. 
So true. So true. Uh, I love that philosophy. Uh, definitely aligns with what I am preaching and, and talking about in the book. So I appreciate that. And this whole interview has been just fantastic. So much value. Uh, Lauren, uh, where should people go if they want to find out more about you? I know Instagram is probably not the place. <laughs> no, I'm on there. It's just not me posting it. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's mostly stuff of me in the gym. So surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, no, the Audacious Agency dot um, com is our, our website but you can just search for my name lauren clement i'll come up on google um, and you'll find there's lots on there about me there's books you can download there's loads of free resources we've got a great facebook group called rocket launch your business um, which has got a few thousand entrepreneurs from around the world in there and a couple of great gurus in there that help out and give advice and tips and so on um, rocket launch your business is the name of that group and yeah there's some awesome free stuff on there that you can grab and and um we also have something, Andy, called the Weekly Rocket, um, which if you're growing your personal brand, it's um, basically an email that comes out every Wednesday. Um, I developed it a couple of years ago. I was going to call it the Daily Rocket, Andy, and then I realized that I was mad, quite insane. So I made it weekly instead. Um, every Wednesday it comes out, and it's a list of six to ten media opportunities. So call-outs for experts to be interviewed on podcasts or in the media, or writing blogs, or speaking, um, and it's totally free, and you can get that, and hopefully it gives you just one thing you do a week to build your personal brand, to go and, you know, step out of your comfort zone, and, and get into being on the stage, or, you know, quoted, or interviewed, so that your brand stands out just that little bit more. Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, well, I just uh, hit follow for you on Instagram and tagged you on <laughs> IG story, uh, so at least we got that done, and uh, people Brilliant. can go connect with you in other places, Google you. And uh, I did that and it's very easy to find you as well. So Lauren, thank you so much for taking time to uh, come on the show and provide so much value. It's great to be connected with you and I look forward to keeping in touch and learning more from you in the future. Absolutely. And I can't wait to read your book, Andy. It's going to be awesome. Coming soon. All right. Thanks. Take care, Lauren. Cheers.